Good morning. So glad that you're here with us this morning. We have a couple exciting things that are happening. Um, the first one would be that our new equipping pastor, Jeff Benda and his wife, they are here this morning. Uh, I don't think they're in this service. They were at the last service. But when you get the opportunity, make sure you introduce yourself to them. Say hello. We're really excited about them being here. Actually, you're going to hear from him next week as well. And then the second thing is we have the Booker family with us. And um, yeah, and so they've been back. Um, they're global partners of ours. We sent them back to Indonesia a while ago. Um, and then because of COVID and safety and some other things, they needed to come back here for a while. Definitely not their plan that they had in mind at all. <laughs> but God knows what he's doing. And they came back. And now they have the awesome opportunity of going back uh, this next Sunday. And so because of the security issues and the things that go on. We can't do this online, but as a church body, we can pray for them in person today. And so we're going to be doing that in a moment, but I want you to hear first from Scott. Good morning. Uh, we just wanted to say uh, quickly how grateful we are for the prayers and the support uh, we have received uh, through you all in Uniontown. Um, we have seen God's faithfulness to us through uh, you all, and we're grateful for that. The mission here at UBC is to um, love God most and others best, and that's the great commandment, and that fuels our motivation for the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so we see ourselves just as an extension of you all in UBC, just on the other side of the world. So we're grateful for your partnership, your prayers, and support. We're excited to get back, see what God will do in us and through us uh, for his glory there. So we continue to covet your prayers, and I uh, want you guys to know that we'll be praying for you all as well. Awesome. Yeah, let's, let's stand as we pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and come to you this morning with such gratitude. Um, for the Booker family, um, we thank you for the clear call on their lives and their willingness to serve you. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity as friends and as a church body to know them, to get to, to, get to know them for some and to love them and to support them. Um, looking back, Lord, we see so clearly um, your hand on their lives and your provision for them. You've given them wisdom. You've given, given them clarity in making decisions when they needed it. You've provided smooth travel, uh, housing, vehicles, medical care. Lord, we could go on and on. There are so many ways that you've been faithful. Uh, as they leave us, Lord, we have no doubt that you go with them, and we ask you to continue to provide for them. I ask that you would give them eyes to see the big and the small ways um, that you are working, and Lord, we'll give you all the glory for those things. And Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that you provided to this family while they've been home. And in looking forward, um, we just ask for uh, complete travel protection and safety. Uh, Father, this trip will take them halfway around the globe. We just ask that you be with them and their family to have all the arrangements uh, go as planned. And Father, when they get there, we just continue to ask for uh, you to secure housing for them, that they would able to be uh, able to put down roots, to um, be join the community and have some sense of normalcy and a place to call home while they're there. We ask that you continue to be with them with schoolwork, just be with the kids as they adjust to doing school uh, differently in Indonesia. And Lord, we just ask for um, you to be with the entire family as they um, 
had the, the, the challenging task of taking on the language. Um, a lot of progress made so far, but we just ask that you continue to, to give them the, the patience um, and the ability to learn the language well, um, as that will be their key to cultivating relationships, Lord, which is really the ultimate reason why we are sending them, is to further your kingdom, to spread the gospel, uh, and the language we know is a critical component to that. And Father, as a church, we just ask you to continue to challenge us in our support of this family, um, whether it be frequent communication, financial support, or most importantly, um, consistent and fervent prayer for this family as they uh, answer your call and obey you on this mission. And Father, as we transition to the sermon now, I just ask that you be with Mark. Um, speak through him, and only you know how to. Uh, and open our hearts and minds to what you would have us to hear. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. This is a perfect picture of our mission, love God most and love others best. So this morning... We're going to take the next three weeks, and we're going to walk through some of the basics of our faith that we find in our mission statement. Love God most and love others best. Um, my prayer is that over these three weeks, you, you would connect deeply with the messages. And although the truths are simple parts of our faith, they're vastly complex and deep. I'm praying that God would take you to a new level of understanding on these topics. Today, we're going to dive into love God most. Look, loving God most is such a simple statement, and yet there is so much wrapped up in that one simple phrase. In order to understand this phrase, we need to understand love. First, Many of us have a twisted or messed up view of love. Maybe it's because of the poor example that your parents set for you in love. Maybe um, it's because our society is so me-based that your version of love circles around your wants and your desires. What's amazing is that God is the absolute definition of love. He's not only what it means to love, but he is love itself. It's his nature. Love is God. So when we discuss love, our definition, our source of understanding of love comes from our knowledge of him. 1 John 4.10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This morning, I want to camp out in a verse uh, that many of you know and probably love. Um, honestly, some of you might even have it on your wall in your house. It's Zephaniah 3.17, and it says this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. First, to understand love, we need to understand God's love of us. Remember, God is the definition of love. Let's go through this verse phrase by phrase, okay? The first phrase, the Lord your God is with you. God is with 
you. That sounds so simple, and yet it's so deep. God, yes, the God of the universe, the God who created the earth, the planets, the galaxies, the stars, the animals, the seas, the creation, wants to be with you. He doesn't just want to know about you or see you in a distance or hear about you. No, he wants to be with you. I can't wrap my head around that. Think of a person. Think of a celebrity. Maybe it's a pro athlete or a singer or something. Imagine the fact if that person that you admire wanted to hang out with you day in and day out, really wanted to be with you, like do life with you. Like they call you up and say, hey, let me get your opinion about this, or I'm thinking about this. That would be way cool. For me, the celebrity that comes to mind is Lamar Jackson. I'm totally kidding. If you guys know me, I am not a sports person. That is definitely not me at all. No, for me, it's probably someone like Andre Bocelli. And I probably just lost some of you, and you're like, who is that? He's a singer. Um, He's an amazing, amazing singer. The thought of him, like, calling me up and saying, hey, I wrote this new tune. Do you want to hear about it? That would be amazing, right? The bottom line is... That's what this verse is saying. The person who created Lamar Jackson, the God who created Andre Bocelli, he wants to be with you. Wow. Don't forget that simple fact. The God of the universe wants to be with you. Second in that verse, the phrase is the mighty warrior who saves. Our God is a mighty warrior, and he wants to save you. He rescues you and me from death. Let's be honest. Without God, we are on a destructive path. I know I am. Without the love of God, I'm on a path to really nowhere good. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. We all get off track. If you're a parent, you know this or you've seen this the moment your little one is with you. Sin is is our nature. So when Isabella, our youngest, uh, when she was probably one or two, uh, my wife would put a bowl of fresh fruit on the kitchen table. And really that was there for me because it means I wouldn't eat chips or something. I would eat something healthy. But the bottom line was it was always there. And in the morning I would come down and there would be like an apple and there'd be this little bitty bite mark right out of the apple. And every time I would say, hey, Bella, Did you take a bite of that apple? No, Daddy, it wasn't me. Happened again and again and again. Finally, my wife got a little wiser to the fact, and she went out to Michael's, and she bought those um, plastic apples. They looked pretty, and they looked pretty real. Honestly, actually, I brought it with today. Um, This is the one we kept it because it was such a cool story to remember. Uh, So here's the apple, right? So I come down, and sure enough, if you can see, Here's Bella's little teeth bike marks, right? And I look at Bella and I say, Bella, did you take a bite of the apple? And she said, no, Daddy, it wasn't me. The only problem was there was styrofoam all over her mouth. No, that's the truth. That's our nature. Sin is our nature, even as little as that. Remember that God's very nature is love. 
So with the absence of God, love is not even in the equation. It's not an option. He did this by his amazing, by the amazing story and his work on the cross. He died for you and for me. He chose to die in your place in one of the most excruciating ways possible. If you choose to acknowledge that and live for him, the mighty warrior saved you. He rescued you from death itself. You have the opportunity to live with him eternally and escape the consequences of sin by living him, by living for him, by choosing him, by day by day loving him. God's love is eternal and it saves. Third, the third phrase, he will take great delight in you. So this one's really cool. On a surface level, the word delight is really cool. Delight means to have great pleasure in or take pleasure in. That means, again, that the God of the universe takes pleasure in you. Yes, you. Yes, me. Sinful, messed up, the one who spits in his face on a regular basis with my words and my actions. He delights in you. That concept should just blow your mind. Why would he delight in me? Why would he love me? Why would he take pleasure in you? Because it's God's nature. God is love. All right, let's go a little deeper on the word delight. The Hebrew word samach that is used in this verse literally means Delight, exceeding joy, extremely festive, gladness, happiness, joy, mirth, pleasure, rejoice, rejoice, rejoicing. So in the Greek translation of the Hebrew or the Septuagint, the word is euphrosune. It's where we get the word euphoria. Euphoria? Wow. A feeling or state of intense excitement and happiness. Okay, so maybe as a kid, Christmas is coming up, and you as a kid, as a child, have that one gift that you've got to have, right? For me, it was the Lego fire truck. I had to have the Lego fire truck, right? And so I've opened all my gifts, and I get to the last gift, and there it is, and I open it up, and it's the red fire truck. It's euphoric. I know that sounds silly, but it's truthful. It was. There was nothing else in the world that mattered. It was that moment. It was that red fire truck. I didn't care what was going on. I didn't care what my mom and dad thought. I didn't care that my brother and sister were in the room. I had the fire truck. It was euphoric. (laughs) Maybe another example, this happened for me too, it's when you saw your wife come down the aisle on your wedding day. Maybe you've experienced euphoria in other ways. The point is, God is using that word, euphoria, about you. That God has great euphoria in you. Again, that's completely crazy to comprehend. This is where it gets even cooler. You know the story of the prodigal son? The son has left, he's taken his inheritance, he's walked out, he's squandered all his money, he's gambling, he's really living like a complete idiot. But his father is patiently waiting for him to come home. And when the son gets to the lowest of the low, and he's literally with the pigs, eating what the pigs eat, he finally repents and comes home. 
And the father welcomes him with open arms. I know you've all heard this story. And he walks in, and not only does he welcome him with open arms and hug him, he throws a lavish celebration and a party. The word in that story for celebrate is the same word in this verse for delight. They danced. They had no idea what was going on anywhere else at that moment. They celebrated. They celebrated so well that the brother, if you read into it, the brother who was in a different area of the house could hear them dancing. I don't mean could hear the party, could physically hear their dancing. That's dancing. That's celebrating. The father was twirling with intensity. It was euphoria. That's the picture. That's the word that God is using here in reference to you. Fourth phrase, he will no longer rebuke you. Or listen to this translation in the ESV. He will quiet you by his love. God will quiet you. What does that mean? Another translation, the New Living Translation says, with his love, he will calm all your fears. God will bring peace in your life. You can rest in God. Many of us do not know how to rest well. Again, as my kids were little, and we would put them to bed, um, you know, we'd kiss them, hug them, pray with them. They would, we would walk out, and immediately we would probably hear, and if you have little ones, you've heard this before, Daddy, I'm scared. And we'd walk back into the room, and as we walked into the room, they were peaceful because we all know that mom and dad, when they're in the room, the boogeyman has no power, right? So the boogeyman actually doesn't exist. But, um, but the reality is that's the same picture. God the Father brings an immediate relief and quiet to the situation. No care, no fear, no need for anything because we know the Father has us. Finally, he will rejoice over you with singing. I don't know about you, but the picture in my head is of a mother holding her baby and singing it to sleep. It's an intimate, personal love. We often underestimate the joy God has in his people, and I too often think God is irritated with me or with us. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says about this. Faulty as the church is, and we know it's faulty because it's made up of us, the Lord rejoices in her. While we mourn as well we may, yet we do not sorrow at those that are without hope. God does not sorrow. His heart is glad, and he is said to rejoice with joy, a highly emphatic expression. God is rejoicing with the understanding and the thought of you, of me, you, his creation. Why? Because his view of you is that of holiness and righteousness because of Jesus' death for you. Past forgiven, present forgiven, and future forgiven because you love and you've chosen to walk with him. We hear a lot about God speaking in the Bible, right? The whole creation account. But very few times do we hear of God singing. Actually, in my studies, we hear of Jesus and his earthly ministry singing uh, with the disciples, but this was the only time I could find where we hear of God the Father 
singing. What's amazing about the singing is he chose to use that word, that illustration, the mother singing her baby to sleep, that illustration about you and about me. That's love, a pure joy and love, and he uses that completely about us. Listen to some of these other verses on loving God. 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 136, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Psalm 86.15, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7.9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Words like compassionate, gracious, forever, faithful. Listen to how David describes it in Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. David starts in that, and he says, I love you, God. And then he lists out many attributes or benefits of God's love. He uses words like rock, fortress, deliverer, shield, salvation, stronghold. He is perfectly expressing that he loves God, or he's saying, I love you, God, because God is love. The basis of our love for God is, in fact, the very list that David is describing. Are you guys getting the picture? God loves you. God loves me. The benefits of God's love are huge. His attributes point to the very fact that God is love. I was talking with my mom, and I really think one of the things that we take for granted today is the fact that we don't understand or we forget God's love for us. It sounds so simple. Honestly, it sounds even a little Christian-y, if I'm honest. But if we really understood his love, if we really understood or could comprehend his vast love for us, for you, we wouldn't act the way we do many times. In my life, God has used some extraordinary circumstances to point me to his love for me. And I can say after 42 years, of which 26 of them, I've really been trying hard to live for Jesus in my life. I'm just scratching the surface. 
See, one of my biggest issues or struggles has been in my life is performance. Somewhere along the way, I got in my head that I need to perform for everybody else. I don't mean sing well or literally physically perform. No, I mean I need to perform for the approval of others. I think a lot of us do that with social media, if I'm honest. In my messed up brain, I believe that love would come from pleasing and performing others. It's a deep, deep struggle in my life. One that really sounds kind of surface, but if I shared the complexity of how it's uh, impacted me physically, mentally, spiritually, you'd be amazed. In fact, I've been in counseling for a lot of years, and it comes back to this root issue. Yes, one of your pastors gets help with counseling. And because of this, it's clouded my understanding of God's love for me. See, I constantly think I need to do so God will love me. And the basic principle here is all God is asking of me is to accept his love for me. Be, not do. So as I was writing this message, I was struggling to communicate how God loves you when that's a hard concept sometimes for me. It brought me back to a really cool moment in my walk with Jesus. It was a time I was um, on a missions trip. I was halfway across the world, actually, with the bookers. Um, I was sitting on a white sandy beach with crystal blue waters in front of me, and it was a day off that we had, and I had the whole day to just sit there and soak in God and creation and commune with him. And, And he really spoke to me that day with the opposite side of the equation. And none of it had to do with what I was doing. It was simply God's desire and love for me. None of it was based on me. It was just a clearer understanding of God's love for me. Listen to my journal that day. My God doesn't force me, but he compels me. My God doesn't just love me, but he actually likes me. You've heard Frank say that in the past. My God doesn't sit at a distance, but he wants to be and communicate with me. My God doesn't talk about me. He talks with me. My God doesn't have a list for me to do. No, he has an itinerary. My God doesn't expect me to, but he anticipates I will. My God doesn't scold me, but he prunes me. My God doesn't use me, but he serves me. My God doesn't push me, but he waits for me. Listen to this one. My God doesn't need me but he wants me. Do you see the difference? It's his love of me. It's his love of you that compels me, that compels us to love him most. So simple, yet so confused and distorted because of our messed up views of God. Do you understand God's love for you? Do you really understand it? My guess is in this room, there's probably some distorted views in your life that clouds your understanding of God's love. Yes, we can all say the Sunday school answer of John 3.16, but do we live, breathe, and grasp his love? If the answer's I'm not sure, or maybe even it's no, ask him to show you. Ask him to reveal his love for you. Ask God for a true understanding of his love of you. So this morning we've talked all about God's love. 
all about how God loves us, the benefits of God's love. So how does this relate to our mission, love God most, love others best? Basically, you have no ability, zero, to love God most, except that he loved you first. That's 1 John 4.10 again, because he is love. You have to understand his love to be able to love. It's a simple concept, yet it's vastly, vastly deep. Practically speaking, how do you take this and apply it to your life today? First, let's be real. If you've not accepted his love, you can't love God most. You just can't do it on your own strength. By not accepting God's love, you're choosing to love something other than Jesus. Yes, we're all sinners. Yes, God loves us all, but you must choose to accept the free gift of salvation in order to love God most. Maybe that's you today. Maybe your life's in shambles. Maybe you're realizing how messed up you are right now. Maybe there's a tug on your heart. If that's happening, you know what that means. God is quietly and patiently waiting for you to surrender your will, your heart, and your life to him. And when you do, your eyes will be open to the vast love that God has for you. It will flood your soul. One simple step will change your heart, mind, and soul for eternity. So if you haven't accepted Jesus and you want to love God most, Start with the simple step of accepting him. If you have questions about that today, there are many people in this room who would love to share with you how to do that. If you're like me, you've known God for many years. You've surrendered your heart to him. Your goal really is to love God most. Have you forgotten or disconnected your understanding of God's love for you? It's simple. Yet it's so easy to lose perspective of God's massive, huge love for you. God loves you today, sinful, messed up, and needing grace. Maybe you've slowly stepped away from God. He loves you. God loves you in some of the darkest moments. Maybe you looked at porn this week. God loves you in that moment. Maybe you were a jerk to a friend. God loved you in that moment. Maybe you cheated or you stole this week. God loves you. Maybe you had some internal anger or frustration. I honestly really struggle with that this week. God loved me then. God loves me. God loves you. Maybe you're struggling to forgive someone who has really hurt you. God loves you. Maybe your heart has become completely numb. God loves you. Maybe your fear and anxiety have overwhelmed or overcome you. God loves you. Maybe you're stuck in your faith. God loves you. God loves you and offers free and full forgiveness. This doesn't mean you can just accept God's love and then do whatever you want. No, that's just it. If you've been changed by God's love, you want to love him most. There's a, um, a pastor in years past who fell really far from grace. 
he made some huge, huge mistakes. And when he repented, listen to what he said. So no matter where you go, how far you run, or how stubborn your roaming may be, he will never stop coming for you with infinite amounts of gritty grace and forceful forgiveness. It is, in fact, his joy to come after you. Furthermore, your lostness doesn't annoy God, and it doesn't throw him off. In fact, it gives him an opportunity to do what he loves to do. Find you. What I'm asking this morning is to not concentrate on how to love God most. It's not about you doing. Instead, get the priorities straight. Focus on the vast, never-ending, overwhelming love of God for you. Be with God. Experience his love. Because when you've encountered God, it's then that you can love him most. He is love. And if you're stuck and you're saying, I'm not encountering God right now, remind yourself of his love for you. Camp yourself in scripture on his love for you. Study, meditate, pray, commune with God. For when you immerse yourself in God's love, you can't help but worship. You can't help but love God most. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Um, although it's a simple concept, love God most, I think we can very quickly and very easily lose perspective. So this morning, I, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who, who hasn't surrendered their heart and their will over to you, Lord, would you flood them right now with your love? And may they not leave without reaching out to someone and talking to them about accepting you. And Lord, for, for us who um, maybe often just lose perspective on how much you love us, I pray, Lord, that you would flood our souls, that we would take the step of knowing you, of diving into your word, of experiencing your love, so that we can love God most. Thank you. It's in the mighty, powerful, holy, loving, precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.